Uh, my name is Charles Shembry. I work for the Napa County Resource Conservation District. My title here is a Vineyard Conservation Coordinator. I'm basically um, a soil conservationist that works primarily in vineyard agriculture, but um, I do work in some grazing lands as well throughout Napa County. We're here today to talk about carbon farm planning. Um, we produced, and me being the person on staff, produced the first four vineyard carbon farm plans in the country here in Napa County. It's a typical conservation planning process going out, uh, spending a lot of time with the landowner, the, the managers, whoever it may be, and just really opening up the full lens of, on this property of looking at, number one, you want to start with resource concerns. So if there's you know, riparian degradation or any degradation on the land, how can we fix that? How can we alleviate that um, and improve the situation? There's always a carbon benefit. Um, so we start with that and then we start looking um, a little bit more um, creatively, you know, looking at ways that we can get large woody plantings or putting in some hedgerows. How do we want to like improve the farm ecology through, um, you know, inviting more beneficial insects, creating more habitat for wildlife that would promote, you know, that ecology of the farm. Um, how do we integrate all that? Start looking at um, other opportunities that may be energy related. So we can talk about the farming equipment or, you know, the approach of timing of things and how to even just reduce tractor passes. Um, you know, it, there's a lot of opportunity. We've looked at ways of integrating solar to power um, 14 pumps at a property before. And the idea of removing vineyard that wasn't doing well and building a solar farm. So, I mean, really sky's the limit and each site's going to be very different. So it takes somebody who has like a background and the open mindset to really look at all these opportunities. Um, you can be confined by just doing what the farmer thinks is feasible because there's this reality of financial commitment but what what we do what I do and you know some of our other partners believe the same thing we want to look at all the opportunity and provide that in the plan whether it if it's a little bit out of financial reality that's okay we want to create a plan that highlights all the potential so um, and then from there we can figure out and chip away at a plan that is like economically feasible in the short term, like five to 10 year. And then, you know, you can look at that 10 to 20, 30, 40 year um, outlook. And then the other big thing that we try to implement for the funding is soil um, analysis to look at um, soil organic carbon pools and organic matter and other um, soil health um, indicators like aggregate stability, uh, looking at bulk density. So we want to look at that soil resource and see if there's opportunity to improve that. And so if there is a lot of opportunity, you know, we can begin to discuss, you know, different soil practices um, and especially looking at, you know, herbicide usage, how much ground cover, what's the photos, what's the like full, you know, current state of photosynthesis on that property and how can we maximize that there's already been a carbon sequestration or greenhouse gas reduction associated with most of these through um, the work that's been done at like Colorado State and they produced you know the Comet, Comet Planner and Comet Farm Tool which are models that we can use and the 
and our CS conservation practice standards are built in there. So the last thing I'm going to do is quantify the full carbon benefit and greenhouse gas reduction using multiple models and also local research okay. that's been peer-reviewed. I don't get bogged down in the in the numbers. In fact, I think that's the most irrelevant part of the whole process. We People want to look at the numbers and they want to know, like, what's the numerical benefit of this that that's impossible um carbon this these systems are so complex models are hypothetical but it gives us you know some kind of ballpark um people also often say you know they're trying to do more and more research more to prove like carbon's going to improve soil or you know going no-till or getting more covers on the ground is going to improve um and enhance carbon sequestration and it's like we we, the models are there with already numbers because that research has been done for decades so you know i'm at a point personally and professionally where i'm uh, not interested in that conversation about the numbers behind it because it's too complex like one farmer can plant cover crop a and the other farmer can plant cover crop a and they both have the same cover crop but they have completely different ways of like managing their property and so it's it's too dynamic but we have these models that can you know kind of put us in this like box of understanding so uh, yeah don't get bogged down on the actual sequestration numbers is my opinion (laughs) so we developed these plans we just finished them up last year so we're still looking for implementation this is all new you know like you might see Um, articles and magazines and things were coming out uh, you know and I'm like I I pretty much know every single person I can count my one hand in the United States that's doing these right now so it was kind of comical but so um, there are like rangeland is ahead of the game right now on the west counties Sonoma County Marin where they've been doing this for five years and they're implementing and then you have fiber shed in California Um, so they're working directly with their producer already you know implementing plans and getting benefits not just on the land but also in the product Um, with vineyards we have folks who are beginning to convert to no-till that's kind of one of the first you know easy things to do that doesn't involve any financial commitment some are you know already implementing compost or putting on more compost at least than they were historically and those benefits are you know still to be seen because we've only really had like one year or they just are going to be coming into a lot of their uh, transition like this next fall um we've we've been doing this for about three years and we've seen some pretty large increases uh, from large compost applications and biochar and and enhancing our no-tillage out there i mean we're looking at soil organic carbon soil organic matter we're looking at soil organic carbon through the lab methodology of of um, through dry combustion on dry combustion and that's the most accurate way of understanding carbon sequestration uh, um, in the soil um, we look at um, wet aggregate stability we're looking at biological factors like uh, co2 respiration um, potentially mineralized nitrogen um, we're looking at the active carbon pools that labile carbon these are really soil health indicators a lot of them have been identified by the soil health institute as tier one indicators um, but for, for and, and there's more that we're looking at, you know, the physical um, measurements as well. But for, for if you're looking at f- 
to monitor carbon, you really only need to be taking bulk density and soil organic carbon. That's probably all you need. Oh, I, and I would I would throw in wet aggregate stability because it is a um, I think one of the strongest indicators for the structural part of soil being improved and looking at that impact of um, you know water infiltration. You know, we 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 really value soil health improvements and and looking at carbon increases in the soil for improving um, groundwater recharge for um, really getting stormwater to uh, infiltrate into that soil and recharge subsoil moisture so that we can reduce our water usage i mean that's probably one of the biggest uh, approaches in this whole planning so um I think they're interconnected, you know, want to improve that water holding capacity so we can measure those things. You know, we can, it's all, it's all related. Um, but I mean, just to say again, simply soil organic carbon, you might as well, you're going to get organic matter for that. If you're looking at that bulk density and what aggregate stability would be my three simple measurements. The healthy soils initiative is one of a kind, um, the, the, I, I don't. I think right now, off the top of my head, I can't even explain how it came about. Um, but I, you know, I know that there was something passed in 2015 by the state of California. Um, I think it was in 2016. We have the soil. Um, there's like some soil um, action plan of California, and this is where the soil through the Soil Health Initiative was birthed. The so, uh, Healthy Soils Program, essentially, and that's where the funding is through that program uh, to, um, to fund growers, uh, landowners around the state. Um, so I think it's a great program and it's just evolving. You know, there's been some things about it that some of us have um, disagreed with in the actual um, language of the grant and the um, requirements behind it. But CDFA has been pretty responsive to these comments and they're starting to shift some of the requirements. Um, like the first round of funding they wanted the compost application requirements were not consistent with or, or practical um, and you had to apply compost at a certain rate for three years in a row every year and we we generally uh, recommend compost applications on a much larger application and with a much larger interval um, so maybe like once every five years, maybe even once every 10 years, depending on the size of the, the application. Um, and some of the soil uh, monitoring that they were requesting to prove that there was carbon sequestration was kind of unrealistic. Like they wanted it to happen every year. So, um, and again, it's dynamic. So it could happen. It might take three, four or five years to see like a small response. You know, it's, it's just interesting how the conversation shifts. Like we used to talk about, like right before Trump was hired, that, you know, we could sequester carbon and mitigate climate change through soil management. And now, like, the USDA isn't allowed to use that kind of terminology because climate change doesn't exist or something like that, you know. So, I mean, it, it just, I know that's the interesting thing. But um, it is, it is kind of the first time that, it's been like recognized at a state level that this is a real tool for, um, I guess, mitigating climate change. And that's pretty profound. Um, yeah, we just get a little bit, um, we don't do justice to this kind of work when we 
try to look at it just through one lens, you know, because we all we've understood for decades um, sustainable regenerative soil management practices and what it does to the whole ecological uh, function of the land, you know, from storing water to reducing erosion to enhancing crop productivity to providing habitat and clean water to animals and people. So um, that's really the lens that I'm going to continue walking down. Like it doesn't need to be a climate lens or a carbon lens, but it's about the whole system, you know. Um, and I think the Healthy Soils Initiative is looking through multiple lenses. I don't think it's just about carbon, but sometimes we get, we seem to get caught up in talking about that. Um, but the Healthy Soils Initiative does state that climate solutions can occur through soil management. Like that, that is known. So that is certainly a focus. Um, and maybe it's the driving focus that I'm not, I'm maybe a little reluctant to, to have that focus, but, um, so what I believe is that we have, we're in a paradigm that we need to break out of. And even some of us who feel like we're, have broken out of that paradigm, we still have to step back and recognize that sometimes we're still looking through the, a, a lens of like traditional farming since World War II, you know, um, what, what, what seems to be the way it should look in particular, we, we tend to use our eyes to look at the land, like in, in, on the farm and things being clean, cookie cutted. We have to um, step back sometimes and think about what is the end result and what does that mean and how do we shift our, you know, conditioning away from that. And, and, and with our farm that we have, um, I still do that every day I walk out there. You know, I have to like hit myself in the head sometimes and go, you know, you go out there and you're just trying to get things done. It's like a day to day, but sometimes you just got to stop and you think, oh, I got to mow this and I got to do that and I got to do that. And sometimes I stop and go, but why? Why do I have to mow that area over there? And I start thinking about it. I'm like, I don't need to mow that area. I can let that just be, you know? It's just this estate. We want to keep things mowed and keep things clean. So biologically, and like if you're looking through the carbon lens, you want to be able to sequester as much carbon as you can. You need chlorophyll to do that. So if you mow something down, especially in California, where, by the way, it doesn't rain for like five to six months out of the year, as soon as you mow something, it is kind of pretty much dead. So, um, you know, and, and just another quick example is that we've noticed that when you let grasses and other things grow quite tall the dew is like trapped captured even and this is just anecdotally everything everybody wants things measured and researched but we see out on these properties where we let covers grow real tall um that atmospheric moisture is condensing and that we find that the topsoil stays more moist in these no-till environments and you have more biological activity as you get deeper into the season is warming up and you still have a lot of moisture that's actually being grabbed from the air so just like redwoods do that you know they've, they've found that redwoods have the, the fog drip and we can get that off of different covers so that's what i mean of opening that lens if you want to capture carbon you've got to like think like carbon <laughs> and so um i guess that's my long message there <laughs>